Come on, dads, let me have all the dads in the house, grandfathers, dads, sometimes uncles fill that place, sometimes big brothers fill that spot. Come on, stand up, let me see you in the house. Come on, all the dads, stand up in the house. Come on. Come on. Come on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on now. Come on, come on, come on. Don't underestimate your place because you are generations to come. Some of you have already got down the road of that. I've got grandkids now. But there's something I'm learning now more than ever. You know, at 55, you, you get to that place where you, there are some older than you and there's a, probably a lot more younger than you. But at this spot, there's something about knowing the position that you hold. And if I can encourage you with anything, guys, first of all, I'm humbled that you come to Coastal. Uh, you, your representation here at Coastal is out there in the community and everybody and what you do. Uh, I know a lot of your stories, and uh, I'm humbled that you sit underneath of our teaching and even maybe some of the things that I say. Uh, I need you. I learn from you every single day when I'm with you one-on-one sometimes, and uh, I just want you to know how much I appreciate you here at Coastal Family Church. Give them another hand. You guys can be seated. Also, if you're out there online, dads out there that are part of Coastal Family Church, we we love you too. Grateful that you're out there. Anyone that's joining us, thank you for coming in and hooking up with us. Uh, I'm going to do just for for my uh, respective honor, just a couple places of honor that I I feel like I need to do as well. Is first of all, Father God. Come on, point up. Father God. Man, without him in our life, where would we be? (laughs) We don't even want to rehash that. You know what I mean? Uh, then there's a couple spiritual, three spiritual fathers that are in my life that, uh, ha- there's those people that, that they just direct you, they just point you, they just, um, they change your life even with, even how you believe and how you think and maybe help you learn some new things. Number one was uh, Brother Hagen from uh, Rama Bible Training Center and Rama uh, changed my life forever, the word of faith message. Um, then Pastor Michael Caminetti, my pastor in Ohio, I spent 17 years with him, and uh, he changed me. He changed my life by how he lived. Uh, then there's Pastor Reggie Scarborough, who uh, really, uh, right on to this church, he, uh, we were trying to decide what we were going to call Coastal Family Church, and I had this name about this long, <laughs> and because uh, I wanted to hit everything that we believed in the name of the church, and, and I think there's some truth to that, but he helped us with, with a lot of things when it comes to that, and he still does. So those are five or three very specific people in my life. Uh, and then there's my dad. Uh, you know, thank God that he, you know, uh, ha- has been able to, uh, I have a relationship with him now that maybe wasn't there in the past. And uh, he was over to my house yesterday and I just want to recognize him as well. I could go on and on and on. And then there's one more, and that's my father-in-law. If you're out there watching, Dad, I doubt it. But if you are, <laughs> uh, uh, thank you for giving me Tiffany. I appreciate it. I'm honored. Let's pray. Father, you're so good. We love you. We love you so much. And uh, we just humble ourselves underneath of your word right now and just expect to hear, learn, and grow from it. And uh, we choose, even as dads, to be a doer of it. We know that uh, it's useless if we don't do it, if we don't apply it, if we don't live by it. Uh, it still has the same power, but it's useless if we don't use it, if we don't apply it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said Amen. A couple things outside of the message of where we go. We're going to complete uh, this two-week series uh, on solid ground today. But, um, you know, some of the confusion that's out there when it comes to um, gender, uh, I'm not going to hit that whole real hard right now, but uh, a good study for the men to do, women too, I guess, would be go back to Pharaoh. And he set that charge out there to kill all the firstborn males. 
Because he knew if he could kill the firstborn male and get to Jesus, he would stop the seed of the father. And that spirit of confusion is in this world right now. And the only answer to the spirit of confusion is your understanding and knowledge of the word. If you don't have knowledge and understanding of the word, listen to me, that spirit of confusion will confuse you. Because it looks good. It looks good in heart. It looks loving. The motive of it is not. It's from the pit of hell. If it can get the confusion and stop the seed, then it knows the next generation will lose its place. We can't let that happen under our watch. Amen? All right, let's jump into our series here uh, on solid ground, learn a couple more things today. Uh, there's, I said to you last week, there's just a couple things you've got to settle. And uh, we said that we want to come under Christ and in Christ with this foundation. Uh, Psalm 127, verse 1, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Self-explanatory. You don't have to dig into that too deep. The truth is there. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, talking about the scriptures, the word, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. And the rain descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall for it was founded on the rock. Say, I'm on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine, listen, and does not do them, will be like a foolish man. It's interesting that it's just addressing the man here in this scripture. Will be a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And what's the next few words? And great was its fall. In other words, it's letting us know there will be times that you'll fall, but it doesn't have to be a great fall. The Bible doesn't use words loosely. And the one thing that will keep you from falling great to where you can't redeem yourself back from in your own strength would be to walk away from the scriptures and to walk away from the word. You need to know your word. We said that last week. <clears throat> I said this to you, Psalm, or Proverbs 24, verse 3. Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it's established. So there's going to have to be some understanding of the scriptures as well. Because why? Come on, look at somebody and say, you don't know it all. All right, so again, we just need to know our Bible. We need it to know how to live. We need it to walk in victory. We need it to stand. We need it to overcome. And I also said this to you last week. I want to say it again. You, you'll need to know the Bible because you'll need to know your beliefs. Not only that, you'll need to know your confidence, what you're confident in. But also, you'll need to know the Bible because it just might be the one thing that decides and determines your moral compass. God's got the true north compass to look at. And it's called the Scriptures. not going to go into that anymore. Go back with me to Hebrews chapter 5, verses 12 through 14. We started last week learning some things uh, that the Bible calls basic. Basic doctrines. Uh, elementary truth, the Scriptures use that. These are things that we are to know. Things that you not just know, but you also can teach. That you can share with somebody else. And let's just go back into the Scripture real quick. It says, you've been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. If the, foot, if, uh, if the shoe fits here, just wear it for a few minutes, okay? Uh, I'm, I'll put myself there. I don't know it all. Instead, you need someone to teach you, again, the basic things about God's Word. You're like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Come on, tell somebody, time to grow up. <laughs> that was weak. Solid food is for those who are mature. Say, I'm mature. And that was an opportunity to give yourself a compliment. Come on. 
who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Now move right on into chapter 6. It's the same conversation the writer here is telling us. Chapter 6, verse 1. So let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. So I'm just assuming we already know these things. We're learning. We're just, we're just refeeding what you and I already know, okay? So it's beneficial to go in. We're going to kind of step away from the conversation of, you know, kind of that, you know, your own milk and all that kind of stuff. Let's just assume we don't know it. Just assume that we're not smart as we think we are. And let's just go back into this and get some understanding of it. He says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. There's that word again. The word understanding means to be established, to be stable, firm in your life. Now look in verse 2 again. We found out that there are these six basic doctrines, just six of them. I think we're old enough to handle six different things. That's not a whole lot. We covered four of these last week in just one service, so that's not a lot. If we can cover four different subjects in one service, they're basic, okay? Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works, we covered that last week, of faith toward God, we'll talk about that today, of doctrine of baptisms, going to talk about that today, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And uh, so we just kind of came into that place where we are now. We're going to talk about two of them today, faith toward God and the doctrine of baptism. Stand up with me and let's pray again. Father, you're so good. You're so faithful. We love you so much. So honored to be teaching your word. I'm humbled by you've called me to do so. And I'm admitting that I need your help, your spirit to help me. Help me, Holy Spirit, to take my understanding, my mind, and take what's in my heart and to be able to bring those two together so that we can have understanding in spirit. Holy Spirit, this is your service. You teach, yield me, I yield myself as a vessel. We as a body yield ourselves to hear in Jesus' name. And everybody say it again. Amen. So here we go. He says, faith towards God. What is faith? Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. If you've got your device, you've got a paper Bible, whatever you've got, Go ahead and go there with me. Come on. We, we just said you can't do this without the Bible. How many have a phone? How many have, come on, be honest with me. How many have the Bible app that downloaded on your phone? Let me see your hands. All right. If you could not raise your hand there, go to uversion.com. You can, or not .com. Go to uversion app. You can actually download a full Bible translation, multiple translations. You're welcome to use it here when we do this. If you've got an iPad, welcome to use it. Sometimes when we get all of you on there, it kind of crashes things a little bit. If so, that's why you need to have a paper Bible with you just in case. No acceptors on that one either. Here we go. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith, I love this subject. So I have to tone myself down on teaching it because the Bible says this is how you live. Four references in Scripture. Go look them up for yourself. Just say, how do I live? By faith. And you'll see four different references, one in Habakkuk, three in the New, that tell you this is how we live as a Christian, as a believer. So it's interesting to me that how I'm supposed to live is one of the six basic doctrines. And the Bible defines it for you. Hebrews 11.1, 1. now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word faith, the word substance, and the word hope, you put all three of those words together for time's sake, don't have time to teach on all of those together. Here's what this scripture is saying, my faith is my persuasion, it's what I believe in. My faith also is my 
confidence in the God that I trust in. Also, my faith is my assurance. He's never going to leave me. He's never going to forsake me. It's also what, when the Bible says confidence, it's also talking about some of your moral decisions making when it comes to my faith will actually help me define my moral decisions, my moral right and wrong, using the scriptures to do that. Ultimately, just simply saying, you can put all that in one perspective, maybe one sentence says, I trust God steadily. That's what this verse is saying. So say it with me. I trust God steadily. <clears throat> Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Dads, I want you to listen up. And I'm humbled when I'm talking to you, so don't think I'm trying to talk over you or down to you. I'm putting myself in this same boat. But dads, we need to hear it. We need to remind ourselves right now, probably more than the women do right now, we need to hear what's going to be said when it comes to what is faith, how do I live by it, how do I apply it. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 11 through 13 when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, say it with me, guys. When I became a man. Oh, that's weak. When I became a man. I watch you watch football games, baseball games. I know, I know. I've seen some of you run up and down the fence when it comes to your boy or your girl playing baseball. So come on, guys. Say, when I became a man. I put away childish things. Now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall just as I also am known. One day you will answer before God for what you're doing right now, guys. That's simply what's being said in that scripture. One day how I live my, my life here in front of people, in front of my kids, in front of my wife, in front of my family, in front of my job, you'll answer to God for that. Okay? And he will look at you and he will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. If you're not sure about that, do repentance from dead works. Repent, turn, change, and, and walk towards God. All right? He's merciful. But here's what I want you to see in verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, love, these three, but the greatest of these is love. I don't want to talk about love today, and I don't want to talk about um, hope I want to zero in on just this one word in this scripture for us, because I think it will help us. When you look at this one word, it simply means stay in a given place of persuasion. It means endure in a given place of belief. So in other words, two things. I'm going to stay here. I'm also going to endure here. Anybody face some things out there that have caused you to challenge? Maybe even your thoughts. Maybe even wanting to give up. How many have worked a full day and everything broke loose? Everything, every piece of equipment you got, everything broke on the same day. Come on, let me see your hands. How many of that happens to every day? No, <laughs> no. Uh, so what I'm telling you is that's an opportunity for you to give up on your faith. Hmm? Uh, if you're a boss and you're leading people, how many have crashed as a boss before and they've heard words you wish you never said? Huh? I'm not going to ask you to repeat what words you said, but I will tell you, abide means to be able to stay. It means to be able to endure in that place when all hell's breaking loose, when all chaos is going crazy. We're going to miss it there. We repent. We come back. But in other words, listen to me. I want to stay. I want to endure. I want to stand. I want to remain in this place called faith. Listen to this in Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13, the message. 
I'm not going to stay on this too long because it's series upon series in there. I just want to remind us, men, verse 13, the message translation. But for right now, until that completeness, we have three things to do to lead us toward consummation. Before that day before God, before the rapture, the moment I'm living in right now, here's what he says. Trust steadily in God, hope unswervingly, and love extravagantly. The best of these three is love. And the Bible says that this is basic. This is elementary. This is something that if I can work at learning maybe this year to learn how to do all the more than I ever have, just maybe, just maybe it will sound like Joshua. And the words of Joshua, remember, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. This is who we are. My generations to come will serve the Lord. What do you do if it doesn't look like that? Stand. Hope. Don't, don't walk away. Don't walk away from who you are. Matter of fact, sometimes you need James chapter 4, verse 7. Does anybody know what that scripture says? Maybe we'll give ourselves a test and go home and read it. I'll tell you what it says, but go home and read it. It says, humble yourself before God, underneath the mighty hand of God, one translation says, and resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. One translation says he'll flee from you as in terror. But the answer is not within the fleeing of the devil. It's the answer is found within the humility. Humbling yourself, say, oh, God, I can't put up with him anymore. Oh, God, I can't put up with her anymore. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. A couple of scriptures to remind you about this because I really want to focus in on our second one today. Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he is faithful who promised. 1 John 5, 4, for whatsoever is born of God is victorious over the world, and this is the victory that conquers the world, even my faith. Amplified translation. So let's move on. I want to focus on this one a little bit more today. So that's basic, faith towards God. Add that to the four we had last week. So now we got a little bit of understanding. Go back and listen to the podcast of last week. Take this one and put it together. But what about baptisms? Basic elementary truth to know is there's three baptisms mentioned in Scripture. There's the baptism of salvation. There's water baptism. And there's the spirit-filled baptism. Now, I'm not going to hit on the spirit-filled one too much because... Uh, uh, the misinterpretation of Scripture, people get confused the indwelling of this Spirit and the infilling of this Spirit. They're two very different things. When I'm indwelled by the Holy Spirit, I'm not baptized in the Spirit. I'm not immersed in the Spirit. I just get the personhood of the Holy Spirit living in me at that moment. All of God, everything about Him, John 14, 15, 16, 17, go read them. All of God is in me at that moment. But when I become immersed, the word baptized means I'm immersed into something. I'm wholly, uh, here's a better way to say immersed. I'm going all in. Say it with me, go all in. So when you got born again, that salvation, you went all in. Say, God, I need you. I need you as my Savior. I want to be born again. I want to become a new person. I want the old man to go away. I want the new man to come. That's what happened at salvation. Then there's water baptism, and then there's spirit filled. Go with me to Acts chapter 19, and let's look at this. Let's find all three. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 6, NIV translation. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. 
There he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So there's a question. They answered, No, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So Paul asked, Listen, then what baptism did you receive? That tells me there's more than one. What baptism did you receive? And then he goes on, Paul said, excuse me, they said, John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him. That's in Jesus. There's your baptism of salvation. This is the beginning part of the church. Now, this is chapter 19, a little bit farther away from chapter 1 and 2. But this is in the beginning of the church. So there's the baptism of salvation. But look. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. Now we see a second baptism. The first one was salvation. Now we see a second one. This was the water baptism in their life. When Paul placed his hands on them, we'll see the third one here. The Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. They were spirit-filled at that moment. So there is an evidence of being spirit-filled that is a baptism of immersion, and it is speaking in tongues. We'll talk about maybe in another service about that. But here's what I want to do. I want to go back to this water baptism since we have that coming up next week. I want to challenge you on some of these things. I will never drink coffee before I come out again. Water baptism. Let me see a show of hands. How many have been water baptized at some point in your life? Just about all of us. So, as a basic elementary truth, if I raise my hand there, can I tell somebody what water baptism means? If you weren't, didn't raise your hand at that point, I really want you to zero in and listen to what I say. Because it's connected to your salvation. It doesn't determine whether you go to hell or heaven. No, your baptism of salvation determines that. But it is something that is uh, the word that church vernacular today uses is called an ordinance of the church how do we know that let's look at scripture go to matthew chapter 28 18 through 20 then jesus undeterred went right ahead and gave his charge god authorized and commanded me to commission you this is the last words jesus is saying to his disciples before you pass away and if you've got the ability to you've got the cognizant to you got the thoughts about you. You're going to share with people what's most important. Go out and train everyone you meet far and near in this way of life. So that's how you live. Marking them by baptism. Marking them by water baptism. In the threefold name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Then instruct them in the practice of all I've commanded you. I will be with you to th this day, day after day after day, right up to the end of the day. Everybody say, I've decided. So most of you took this next step. Most of you got water baptized at some point in your life. Let me challenge you. If that baptism happened before you, maybe in your 0 to 12, 0 to 15, and you really didn't know what it means, can I challenge you to maybe go do it again? You're not renouncing what you did, but now you know why. Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Listen to what it says. <clears throat> then Jesus went from Galilee to Jordan, to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. 
I'm the one who needs to be baptized by you. He said, so why are you coming to me? John's saying, Jesus, come on, what are you talking about? You're wanting me to baptize you, the son of the living God? But Jesus said, listen, listen to how this is spoken by Jesus. It should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So there's a requirement subsequent after your salvation. So John agreed to baptize him. But listen, after the baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, now we see the immersion of that. The heavens were open, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. Come on now, listen to this. And the voice from heaven said, This is my dearly beloved Son who brings me great joy. If I can encourage you with any thought behind the importance of baptism. Baptism is like the wedding band to your salvation. I can tell you right now, if I take this off and I stop wearing it for a while, someone's coming to talk to me and it ain't you. It's going to be mama of the house. She's going to question. Because when we said, I do, we put these on as a symbol, as a covenant to who we are. You see, the word water baptism is really just an outward sign of an inward work, the Bible says, of grace that you have working in your life. It's an outward sign of what God did in your life. It's an outward sign that the Bible says brings Him great glory when you're not embarrassed about it anymore. You're not shy about it anymore. Now, that's all based on personality. I get that. It doesn't mean you're going to come out and if you're the quiet person, all of a sudden you're going to be the loud person. No, you're probably still going to be the quiet person. But with your action to what's happened in here, you become the wedding band of baptism becomes the outward sign that you know what? This is who I am. And I'm going all in with Jesus. You see, this is why he says faith towards God and doctrine of baptisms because I see them simultaneous in their work and what they're supposed to do. Can I read to you something out of our wedding ceremony? I want you to hear this. The foundation of any covenant is love. Love is eternal because God is love and He's eternal. Therefore, a covenant is eternal and so are its symbols. You've selected the ring to be a token of your marriage covenant. It's made of gold, which is a type of that which is least tarnished most enduring, fittingly representing the ties that bind husband and wife. The ring is a never-ending circle, teaching us of God's love and the love of a man and a woman. It is the symbol to you of God's endless love, which shall rule and reign in your marriage. Listen. You will wear these rings on your hands. The symbol of your love for each other was not made to wear on a part of the body that was covered. The hands are exposed during all seasons of the year throughout all of your lives. Your love will be exposed to many changing seasons. Let these rings be a constant reminder. Stand up with me. Baptism. Water baptism. Salvation. Can I invite you? If you've never been water baptized, can I invite you to come join in with this family and make that outward declaration? But can I also invite you if you've been water baptized, why wouldn't we ever want to be standing there when someone else goes under so that we can celebrate what's happening in their life? Don't be the one that checks out next week. 
who says, ah, we don't have church. We do have church. It's just at a different place. Matter of fact, this is my most favorite service of the year. Because I'm telling you, it's not always easy for someone to go, I, I, I can tell you story after story and testimony after testimony. But for some reason, the devil's lied to people. And he's told them that if I do that, then I've got to be perfect. And I can tell you right now, you probably will sin the moment you come out of the water. Mom, why'd you do that to me? I'm choking. i got water down. No. Would you come be a part of the family next week? I'm not going to beg you. That's not my point. But there is something really important that's happening. A covenant between God and somebody is happening. The wedding band of their salvation that all of you said that you've had that experience. Most of you said you've had that experience. And the Bible says this is the elementary basic of truth that you could be able to teach somebody else. Here's my point. What if you're on the job? Someone gets saved underneath of your watch. They get that baptism of salvation. And they say, hey, you know what? My grandmother told me I need to get water baptized right now. Could you tell them how? Could you tell them why? Would you be willing to do it with them? I can't answer that for you. But I invite you back next week. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much. As we take these word, this word of basic doctrine, elementary truths, we're admitting that we can learn more and we can grow more within them. Father, I thank you again for all of these wonderful men that came to church today, that they set themselves up underneath of your word. And I pray that as they go back out into life, that your covenant says you'll never leave them, you'll never forsake them. That, Father God, you'll bring increase into their life, financially, spiritually, and even mentally. And Father, as these men step out there and be dads, be grandfathers, uncles, big brothers, whatever place they're fulfilling, we speak blessing over their lives in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. You are dismissed. We love you. We'll see you next week at the baptism. Have a great Hello, everyone. Hey, I'm Pastor Stephen. This is Pastor Tiffany. We just want to thank you for joining our online worship experience today. And uh, grateful to have you. We got some information that we want to pass on to you. Maybe you can connect up with us here real soon uh, back on another online worship experience love to connect with you and if you just take a moment and download our Coastal Family Church app you're going to find a great card on that section just take a moment and submit that and fill that out we'd love to put a free gift in your hand and also slip a letter in the mail letting you know more about Coastal Family Church and any upcoming events we have maybe this is your first time with us and again we just want to say thank you if you call Coastal Family Church your home we want to let you know that there's a several ways that you can give also on our app or on our website Thank you so much for tuning in with us today. Pastor Stephen. Hey, we'll see you soon. You guys have a great day.